why don't you grab your Bibles and turn with me to Isaiah 53 and Mark chapter 5, and we're going to continue a series that we started a few weeks ago called All For You. And while you're turning, we want to welcome all of those doing church online today. If you're doing church online, we welcome you. So glad that you're walking, welcome our house campus down in, in Bryan College Station. Hello to you guys, and so just so glad that you're joining, joining with us. But Isaiah um, 53 verse 5 and what we have been we have been studying over the last few weeks or as we are preparing our hearts for Easter uh, we have been studying really the impact of Christ's death and 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 ultimately his resurrection which we will get to on Easter um, but we have been really looking at okay what what was actually purchased and 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 what was actually paid for because and we have said I've said it every week while while Forgiveness of sin is paramount because it is through the forgiveness of sin that, that we are restored to God, and that is paramount, but that is not all that the cross did for us. That's, that's not all that's there. In fact, Isaiah 53 gives us kind of categorically four concepts. It talks about the forgiveness of sin, uh, but then it talks about uh, our, our, in, our in iniquities, and then it talks about peace, and then it talks about health. By the way, um, you, you don't want to miss next week, because next week I'm going to take on healing. And I understand there's a lot of questions about it, and I understand that. As a pastor, I probably have more questions than you. But we're going to talk about what the Bible says about it uh, next weekend. I just want to plug that, because I'm also asking that God would confirm his word in that he would heal people. And so so that's what that's that's next week. And so but you're, it'd be good. You're, you're, I'm glad you're here this week. Anyways. Um, and so we're, we're looking at Isaiah 53, which is the fourth of servant songs in the book of Isaiah is written about 700 years or really 740 years before Jesus. Um, and, and this, this Isaiah 53 is, is just the most incredible because it so clearly details and outlines, um, the, the suffering that this servant of God, we, we would know as the savior, um, would go through as he would give his innocent blood and his innocent life for the guilty to, to redeem them. And so we have been talking about that. And so Isaiah 53 verse five says this, it says that, that he was wounded for our transgressions, we talked about that, our trespasses, where we had sinned, where, where we had transgressed the law. Uh, he was bruised for our iniquities, and we talked about that last week. And then it says the chastisement. NIV would say the punishment. The word in the Hebrew would actually mean the disciplining for our peace was upon him, and, and then by his stripes we are healed. The, the chastisement for our peace was upon him. That's, that's what we want to talk about today. The chastisement for our peace. What, what does that mean? The, the discipline, the punishment that brought us peace. What, what does that mean? What does peace mean? Well, in, 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 this, in this verse, um, peace is the Hebrew greeting uh, shalom. It's, it's the Hebrew word shalom. Most people are familiar with that concept. Um, but shalom and what we understand as peace are not the same. Because we look at peace as what is absent in our life. When conflict is absent. When there are no big problems. When there is no crisis. Then we have achieved peace. But that is circumstantial, right? And this word is not about what isn't there. 
It is about what is there. Because this would be not only a greeting, but this would be the pronouncement of a blessing. So this word peace, um, it it actually means uh, wholeness, completeness, soundness, prosperity, health, and wellness. It, It is the pronouncement of a blessing to say, in the totality of everything about your life, let it be well. Let your relationships be well, let your finances be well, let your health be well, let your body be well, right? Let your mind be well. And so it is a pronouncement. And so, so, so where, 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 where peace is temporary, shalom is a permanent thing. Um, where, where, where peace is about what the negative of what isn't there, shalom is about the positive of what has been made present. Um, where peace is, is partial, um, shalom is all-encompassing. That's the difference. So, so when it says the discipline or the punishment that brought our peace, it's not saying Jesus died to make your circumstances okay. It's saying that Jesus died to pronounce a blessing of wholeness on your life so that despite your circumstance, you could always be well. Are, are you with me? So for that, we need to go to Mark chapter five. Mark, I love the gospel of Mark. The gospel of Mark reads like a movie. Um, some say it's the first gospel written that, that tends to be the way I lean. Some people believe Matthew was the first gospel account written. Uh, Mark, John Mark was an associate of Paul, but also a friend of Peter. And so what he actually does in the gospel of Mark is he has taken all these eyewitness accounts from Peter and he has put them together almost like scenes of a movie. And so it just kind of jumps from scene to scene to scene and scene and scene. And it's kind of cool. Right, And it's kind of written like a three-act play. There are three acts. The first act is, who is this Jesus? And Mark doesn't ever tell us who he believes Jesus to be. He simply gives us the words and the activities of Jesus and says, you know, let's just draw our own conclusion. So it's like, who is Jesus? And then act two is where the disciples are trying to discover, is this the Messiah? And what does it mean if Jesus is the Messiah? And then act three is about the revealing of the Messiah as the king. And and so Mark just kind of jumps from, and, and he has one word that he loves to use, which, which I love too, because he uses this word immediately. Like, like he makes the point that when Jesus does something, something immediately happens. And, and so, and so I, anyways, I, I love it. But, but anyway, so Mark chapter five, uh, Jesus has, has left really the Galilee side of the Sea of Galilee. He has crossed over to the southeastern shore, a lot of Gentiles in that area. And, and Jesus is encountered by a man named Jairus, whose 12 year old daughter is dying. And he says, could you come and heal my daughter? And Jesus being Jesus said, sure, absolutely. So now we have a group of people heading to Jairus's house. Uh, When the Bible gives us a name like this, then we know this is probably a significant person. Right. And so, so this is a significant person and, and probably has some clout and some status. And so Jesus is headed to his house to, to do a miracle and he gets interrupted by this lady. And so Mark chapter five, verse 24, it says, and he went with him, that's Jairus, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. I like, I was raised old King James, so I can say the these and the thous and the for which cause and whosoever. I can say those better than anybody, but I like what old King James said, the issue of blood. She had an issue, right? And, and, and she had suffered much under many physicians, And had spent all she had and was no better, but grew worse. 
And she had heard the reports about Jesus and she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body. Did you see that immediately? Immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? Who touched me? And the disciples said, you see this crowd pressing around you and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Um, I called this, this message a touch of peace. Could anybody use a touch of peace? Can we pray together? Father, thank you so much for your word, for your grace. God, your grace says that you have provided everything and you have provided it freely. We don't earn it. We don't merit it. We don't achieve it. That provision is granted through the blood of Jesus. God, in this this moment, in this time, we are in need of grace in some form or another. Every person in here needs something that comes by your grace. And God, to receive it, all we have to do is put a little faith in your grace. So God, speak clearly to our hearts. Give us faith to trust your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, So so here's this woman uh, for 12 years, 12 years. I love the irony that Jesus is on his way to heal a 12-year-old girl when a lady who got sick about the time that girl was born is also coming to find Jesus. I just love that. Um, but she, she has, she is, she's got problems. This lady, she has, she has issues. Um, she has 99 problems saying bye, bye, bye. Anne Marie. She has so many problems that, um, she doesn't need, she's in such a low place. She doesn't have friends in that place anymore. I mean, even Garth was better. It's bad. And, and we look at the lady and we actually think that her only problem was that she has a disease. But that's not her only problem. When you read the text, you'll find some things out about this lady that, that number one, this lady has suffered for 12 years with the disease. So she has a physical problem. Um, she also has a spiritual problem um, in that she is considered unclean. And because of that, she has a relational problem in that her family, assuming she had one, would not be allowed to be around her or to touch her. In fact, anywhere she went, it would be considered unclean. Any furniture she sat on would be considered unclean. So her, her family could, couldn't be near her. Her husband could not love her. They, they probably would have had to move out away from her or she from them. And so she is unclean spiritually. She is alone relationally. She is suffering physically and she is broke financially. 
Apparently, this lady had means 12 years ago because it said she went, for, she went to many doctors and spent all that she had. This is denoting that she had been previously a woman of great resource because she went to more than one doctor. And it makes the point that she went to doctors until she ran out of money. And so I would suggest that this lady not only has a physical problem or a financial problem, she probably has an emotional problem. Imagine the rejection that she feels and all the isolation. I mean, one of the, one of the ways that, that we actually hurt ourselves emotionally is through isolation. Think about it. If you're in prison and they want to punish a prisoner, how do they punish a prisoner? Isolation. Yet some of us choose isolation because of our issues. That's why we have life groups. Life happens in a group. Isolate, you'll die. Community, you'll live. And, and so here, here's, here's this lady's story. She has an issue. And I would say this, that if we, if we put all this together with what we know about the word shalom, then we would say this lady has an issue of peace. She has an issue of peace. She has no, there is not one place in her life where she has peace. Are you with me? This lady is drowning in, in, in her, her issues. In fact, we don't even know her name. We know her title. The woman with the issue. I think I know some of those people from Instagram. Anyways, never mind. I'm sorry. But, but... Have you ever had an issue so big that it actually swallowed up your identity? Maybe not you. Maybe let's go another way. Have you ever known someone that, that had an issue so big? In fact, if you try to get around them and you try to talk to them, what's the first thing you're going to learn about their issue? What they're dealing with this week? What they're thinking this week? What happened this week? They, they saw something, it reminded them, they, somebody posted something, and all of a sudden, there's just, you get around them. Not you, but I'm talking about the people that come to the other services. But, but, but people who have completely lost their identity in their issue. That, that their issue has become so big that it has, actually, it has actually consumed them, and it's actually, their situation has consumed their, their own self. Have you ever, and, and here's the problem, the bigger it gets, the more we, we focus on it, and the more we focus on it, the bigger it gets, and we start losing ourselves in it, and we even lose sight of God because of it. There's a word the Bible uses for worship. It's called magnify. And have you ever had an issue so big and it, it became so consuming and it became all you talked about and all you saw and it kept growing because you kept magnifying it? When you talk more about your problem than your promise, 
then you're in trouble. That's why David said, oh, come magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name forever. Let us lift his name up above our circumstance and lift his name up above our situation. I'm just wondering in your life, what are you worshiping? What are you focused on? What are you magnifying? What are you lifting up? Because you can lift God's name up above whatever you're facing, or you can keep lifting up what you're facing, right? We don't call it worship. We call it worry. But if you know how to worry, you know how to worship. Because worry is just focused on the negative. Worry is focused on the issue. Worry is focused on fear. Worship is focused on faith. Worship is focused on God. Worship is focused on, and this woman had every reason to worry. What I love about her is that's not, that's not where, where she stayed. Three things really quickly that I would love to tell you about peace or a touch of peace. And, and, and I think, I think I've so crafted the points this week. Like you understand I'm a craftsman. I'm an artist, right? I'm an artist. And, and that if you think I'm weird, it's because I'm an artist. Cause have you ever met an artist? We're, we're awesome. I don't know why you're laughing. <laughs> I'm about to call some bears in here like Elijah. Keep making fun of me. But anyways, um, I think I've so crafted the points that they will preach themselves. I really do. Now I'm going to preach them because that's what I'm paid to do. But, <laughs> but I think I've crafted them so they preach them. The first one is this. Um, peace isn't the result of fate. It is the result of faith. See, fate had, had dealt this woman a bad hand. Uh, verse 26, she had suffered much under, the many, uh, under many physicians and spent all she had, and she was no better but grew worse. Ha- have you ever known someone <laughs> or have you ever been uh, in a situation or had an issue or had something you're dealing with and you had done everything that you could do and at the end of it, it was worse? That is where this woman is. She has spent everything. She has lost everything. She has tried everything. She has done everything that she can do. And she didn't get better. She got worse. Are you with me? And and this this is the text. What do you do when you've done everything, tried everything, spent everything, been everywhere, and it didn't get better? What do you do then? Because I would say at that moment, this lady had two choices. It's the same choices that I watch people choose between all the time as a pastor. And that is this lady can either have faith or she can fold. What do you do when you've done everything you can do and it didn't get better? Faith or fold? Because I would say when you have completely exhausted your capacities, your abilities, and your resources, and and you are no better, I would say that is a great place for faith. But I found a lot of people that will just fold. Well, Pastor, I don't know. I prayed. I don't know. I believed. I gave. Oh, man, I've been to the doctor. I tried the thing. I posted something. I asked somebody. I had this person. I did this thing. And, uh, you know, it's just not any better. So 
I just, I don't know. Should I even come to church? Should I even pray? Should I even try? You know, just, they're going to fold, see. But because they had a way it was supposed to work in their mind. And, and when God didn't do it that way, he's not God. I don't know. He's abandoned me, you know. See, God's amen. I got it, God. I'm with you. Your boy. I think being a public speaker sometimes is, is, is about learning how to work with whatever's going on in the room. You guys give me so much inspiration. Anyways, um, but but um, but what do you do? And 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 you can fold. But but I would say that when you have completely exhausted your capacities, abilities, and resources, then then you're finally listen to what I just said. You're finally at a place where faith can work. Because isn't it true that we typically have faith? when we have a scenario that works in our mind? Is that not true of you? It's true of me. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've thought I was having faith when really I just had an imagination. Oh, you're not you just, you're going to play dumb. I see what you're going to do. Here's what I'm saying. In our minds, when we have what we would call an impossible situation, but we think, oh, I know it, it, there is this one treatment, there is this one doctor, or I could win this or get this or be promoted to that, or this person could do this. And we work a scenario in our minds that we can see. We can see how it works out. And as long as we have a few scenarios where we can connect the dots and yeah, it could work this way or it could work this way or it could work this way, then, then we call that faith. But what do you have? when you have no scenario that works because I found many times with believers as long as they can sit there and explain to me how God could do it they're okay but as soon as they don't have a way to explain how God could do it they want to fold and what I would say is you're 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 mixing up where faith is because faith isn't even needed until it's impossible God doesn't even show up until you can't do it Do you know what I love about building this building right now? There is no way to do it. I have run the numbers. I know what our capacities are. I know what our revenues and tithes and offerings have been. I know, I know what the commitments were. I've run the numbers. Let me help you. It won't work. And my thought is, when you can't write a check and fix it, when you can't get a prescription and make it better, when you can't see someone else and them help you out of it, then you are just right for God. That is the moment when God will show up, when no one else can help you, no one else can fix it, no one else has what you need, no one else can pay for it. That, if, you, if you're in a situation like that, you are just right for God to do something. That's where this woman was. You know what I love about it is, is she didn't fold. She ratcheted up one notch. She got aggressive. Look, look at this. this was verse 27, Matthew 4, or Mark 4. It says, and she heard the reports about, let me help you. This woman did not have a New Testament. She didn't have a New Testament. 
She couldn't sing on a hill far away to the Ulrich across. She had never celebrated an Easter with an empty tomb. This woman simply heard. We don't know if she was a Jew, probably a Gentile. She heard that, can I tell, it's, what are you listening to? She, she heard a large part of what we believe is contingent upon what we hear. Faith comes by hearing. And this woman started listening. And she said, there is this bearded dude in a robe and some, and some Birkenstocks who is walking around doing some crazy stuff. And she heard about, what if you need a what are you listening to? Are you listening to everyone tell you how it isn't going to work? Are you listening to all the, ne do you have some of Job's comforters around you? Like, you should just curse God and die. It's just, you got like a support group for Eeyores around you. Well, I lost my tail. I don't know what. <laughs> it says, it, it says she heard. And then look at, look at verse 28. This is cool. Because then it said, for she said. What are you saying? What are you listening to? And what are you saying? Right? What did Jesus say? If you speak this mountain's faith, say, be removed and cast in the sea, and you don't doubt, believe those things which you believe in your heart, you will have whatever you. There's no need to ask God for a miracle if you want to curse your life with your own words. I feel like this is a great message. It feels good up here. Outside from being a little cold, I'm doing great. But if I keep preaching, I'll warm up. I'll get that motor revved up. But what are you listening to? What are you saying? about your situation because have you ever noticed somebody and, and I don't know because I've been in some life groups and you've been in some life groups and and I love life groups because you need somebody in your life when you're saying you know I'm really believing God for whatever the situation is and then you are speaking negatively about the situation as though nothing's going to change you need somebody to say hey shut up you need to change what you say you need to change what you, what you listen to. I got to go on, but that's, but that's good. Here's what I like about this woman. She told herself, what are you telling yourself about your situation? She told herself, if I could just touch the, the hem of his garment, if I could just touch his garments, then, then, then I'll be made well. You know what I love about this? No one had ever been healed this way before. Because isn't it true that we, we try to make our situation work out like someone else's miracle? Well, he touched the blind man. Well, he spit in the mud. Well, he did this for the lame guy. And this woman said, no, 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 no. I'm okay if God does it a completely different way. A way that I've never seen. A way that I've, I've never un understood. She was willing to break out of tradition, what she had seen. She was willing to break out of religion. She's not supposed to be out of her house. Right? She's willing to break out of her comfort zone. 
because this was very uncomfortable. Why do you think she's all trembling in front of Jesus? This was uncomfortable. She is taking a risk. Fate had dealt her a bad hand, but faith said that wasn't the end. Okay, here's the second thing. Um, Peace isn't achieved as much as it is accessed. Did you hear what I just said? Peace isn't achieved, it's accessed. And, And that's what we see here. Now, she had tried to achieve peace. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I tried to achieve peace. I tried to get away from them. Oh, y'all don't, you're not being real. You know, sometimes you think if I could just get away from them, if I could just shut them up for a minute, if I could just lock myself in my room for, I would find some, I love it when y'all just leave me out here. Some of you are like, I ain't saying nothing because I'm sitting by him right now. Oh, there's going to be some tense conversations at lunch today. <laughs> Anyways, but, but here's, here's, here's what she, she said. She said, I've tried, I've tried everything to achieve peace, and that hasn't worked. I wonder if I could access it. You know what I love about God is the accessibility of God. And I think sometimes we miss this, that God is accessible what, what did the writer of Hebrews say? That, that we can come boldly to the throne room of grace and receive. That God is, do you understand that because of the blood of Jesus and the cross of Jesus, do you understand that you have unlimited access to the throne room of God? That God is, and this is what she said, hey, there's this Jesus guy coming, and I bet I could, I bet, I, I bet if I go after him, I bet I could access him. You see, this is where the story to me is interesting. Jesus wasn't coming to her. He was on another mission. He, he was headed in a different direction. Had she waited on Jesus to just show up at her house, she'd have died. I wonder how many times we're just waiting for Jesus to show up and do something. Because what I've found about faith is never passive. It's always aggressive. Faith is always, always aggressive. And, and, and you will never get what you want from God being passive. Sometimes you got to put the gloves on. David said he, he, te- he trains my hands for war and teaches my fingers to fight. Like sometimes we, we can sit back and just say, well, you know, well, I don't know. I, you know, I hope God finds me. I hope God does something. I hope God will show up and do something. But had this lady thought that way, she would have died. What she said, no, 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 no. She said, I've heard the Prince of Peace is going to be passing by a certain way and I'm going to intercept him. I'm going to go after, and you know what? You want to see the tenacity? This woman had been bleeding for 12 years. She was weak and frail and fragile. And somehow this frail and fragile woman was able to chase down a group of well men who were in a hurry. 
Like, I think you gotta, you gotta speak to the grit of this lady. That she said, this is my opportunity for a miracle. I know he's nearby. He may not be here tomorrow, but he's here today. I've heard he's in this region. And a woman who was sick in her body with a disease for 12 years somehow was able to chase them down with her crawling on her hands and feet. And we sit back like, oh, Jesus, I hope you're going to do something. Lord. Jesus. I'm just waiting on the Lord. Just waiting on God shows up. And, 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 you know, and, and humbly and lovingly, I would say, you can do that. Or you can get off your blessed assurance and go after him. If she, let me say something else because I hear this one. If she had said at home, saying, "Lord, if it's your will," she, she'd have died praying, "Lord." This woman didn't get a miracle because of God's will. She got a miracle because of her will. Oh, I believe I am. I hope I am. I'm going to answer to God. I hope it's somewhere in the lines of truth. <laughs> But are, are you hear me? Because so many times, so many times we are wondering and doubting the will of God about our decision and, and our situation. And God is waiting for our will to get involved. Surrendering to God's will does not mean we're a limp noodle with no will. It is about, it is about aligning our will with his will. Miracles come when my will aligns with his will, when my faith aligns with what he said. Are you with me? And so this woman could have sat all day and said, well, Lord, if it's your will, and she'd have died. She didn't get a miracle because the will of God came to her house. She got a miracle because out of her will, she went to find the, the Prince of Peace. She went to find Jesus. She chased him down. She went after him. And I'm saying, when you need something from God, Sometimes you just got to go after it. <laughs> I, I love this because Jesus didn't even see her coming. She ambushed him. Like every other miracle, Jesus is looking at the, at the person, right? Remember last week, the lame man on his mat, and he's like, hey, do you want to be made well? Right, and the lame man, of course, no, whatever. Anyways, and Jesus said, be healed. He didn't say no. He just said, I don't have anybody to put me in the water. Anyways, the point is, Jesus is always, they're bringing him to Jesus. He's looking out, he's touching him, he's spitting, whatever he's doing, right? I think to be that blind man, oh, Jesus is going to give me sight. Whoa, Jesus. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good, Jesus. <laughs> Anyway, but, but, but listen to me. She, she stuck up. Jesus didn't even see her. She got a miracle from Jesus. Listen to me. She didn't get a miracle from Jesus because Jesus touched her. She got a miracle because she touched him. In fact, hold up. You want to see this woman's faith? She said, I don't need to touch him. I just need to touch something that's touched him. Nobody ever been healed like this before. 
Nobody, this is like the Syrophoenician woman who said, my daughter's in all kinds of bad shape. She, she is sick. She is possessed. She's got problems. And could you do something about her? And Jesus said, I'm sorry, but I came for the lost sheep of Israel. And it wouldn't be right to take the children's bread of, of healing and deliverance and give it to little dogs. He wasn't trying to be ugly. In fact, he buffered it by saying little dogs. In other words, puppies, right? Puppy, everybody loves a puppy. Like if you don't love a puppy, Come on, man. Like, if you don't love a cat, that's one thing. But if you don't love a puppy. I ain't trying to be mean. Go baptize your cat. See how that works out. (laughs) Fluffy will claw your eyeballs out. But if you don't love a puppy, you need therapy. You need salvation. If you don't love a... And he said, you can't give the children's bread to, to, to to the puppies. It was a racial thing. You understand? She was Syrophoenician. She wasn't a Jew. So he wasn't trying to be mean. This is just the racial culture of the day. And this woman said, oh, I don't need the bread. I can take a crumb from the floor. And he said, go, your daughter's fine. And this woman said, I don't need to touch him. I don't need him to touch me. I just got to get around something he's been around. I've just got to touch something. This is my faith that if I can touch something that's been touching him, then, you know, sometimes in your life, you don't need Jesus. You just need to get around somebody that's been touched by him. Like, this is why we do life group. This is why we come to church because you may need a miracle today and maybe your faith is weak. I don't know. But at the end of this, at the end of this worship experience, there's going to be some people up here who have all been touched by Jesus and they're all standing there ready to pray for you. Are you with me? And all you got to do is say, you know what? I would love for Jesus to show up in the flesh, but he's not going to do that until the second coming. It could be today. Probably not. I don't know. But there's some people that have been touched by him. And maybe if I could just touch what has been touching him, then God could break out in my life. I love this because Jesus says, who touched me? And the disciples are like, bro, listen, we're in a crowd. Everybody is. But Jesus statement is actually an indictment against everyone around him. Because he said, no, there's some people bumping into me, but somebody touched me. There's some people around me. I wonder, are we around Jesus today or are we going to touch him? Are we just hoping to bump into him today or are we going to touch him? Are we just with him on his walk or are we going to draw something from him? You can actually be around him and actually touch him and get nothing or you can touch him and get everything. And it just depends on how you're touching. Are you with me? Whether you're just bumping, I'm around, I'm going with you, I'm along for the ride. But this woman said, I'm not along for the ride. I'm not here just hanging out. I'm here to get something. I wonder how many people are hanging out at church this morning and how many people came to get something this morning. Hebrews 4.15, I love this. I'm going to read it, old school King James for you, old school, because I like the way it phrases it. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched. We have not a high priest which cannot be. Let me take the negatives out. We have a high priest who can be touched. He is accessible to us. You can access him today. You can come to his throne room of grace. We have a high, and then look at this. It said, it said, we we have not a high priest who cannot be touched. Look at this with the feeling of our infirmities. What did this lady have? She had an infirmity. 
And Jesus said, you, you need to be touched by what's touching me, but I'm touched by what's touching you. I have compassion and grace because I get what's touching you. You feeling infirmed? You feeling lost? You feeling broken? You have no peace today? Like, I get all of that. I've been touched by all of that. And I can be touched by you. Peace isn't achieved, it's access. Here, here's the third thing. Peace isn't circumstantial, it's transformational. Peace isn't circumstantial, it's transformational. She, she went to Jesus hoping for a change in her circumstance. She, she wanted her circumstance to change, and, and we would too. In fact, a lot of times I think when we come to Jesus, we, we want our circumstance to change. Isn't that true? Like we're, we're coming because something's not right, something's off. She wanted her circumstance to change, but, but I love what Jesus did because he, he completely transformed her life. Look, look at this verse, um, ver, chapter 5, verse um, 34. It says, and he said to her, daughter, very important word, your faith has made you well, very important word. Go in peace and be healed, that's another important word, of your disease. Daughter. Now, this woman, remember, remember, she's not supposed to be out and about. She's certainly not supposed to touch anybody. No one's supposed to touch her. She's lived for 12 years in isolation without human touch, without touching, without being touched. No, no hug on a rainy day. Nobody holding her hand. And Jesus looks at her. So, so when she touches him, that's the reason she hides in the crowd because she could have been penalized greatly if not put to death for even being out. Not only that, everybody she touched in that crowd could have been considered unclean by the law because the law said whatever is unclean, whatever it touches is made unclean. It's the law. So when Jesus stops the, the delegation and says, hold up, y'all, somebody touched me, and they're like, everybody's touching Jesus. He's like, no, 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 no. Power left my body. Somebody, somebody touched me, not, not bumped into me. In fact, I even like the, the words in the Greek. They're not the same word. The way people touched him and the way this lady touched him, not the same word. And, and so, so then they start, you know, now we're, we're pausing the delegation. We're trying to figure out what has happened. And this lady figures, I can't get away. So she comes forward to confess. So here she is on the ground, kneeling, trembling, because she has transgressed the law, right? And, and she has made Jesus unclean in her mind. And, and the first thing Jesus looks at her and says is daughter, which is denoting father, daughter, which is, is actually Jesus in, in, in a very simplistic way is saying, you belong to me. In other words, you could say it this way. It's, it's like a salvation experience that, that daughter, don't trim your mind. Don't, don't tremble your mind. I, I get it. I, I understand what you came for. Um, and, and I understand why, why you're here. You see, the law said if the unclean touched the clean, the clean was unclean. Grace gave us something different because grace said if the clean touches the unclean, the unclean is made 
clean. And so Jesus is just exacting or he is aiming grace at this lady. It's like grace in your face. You understand what I'm saying? And, and, and he is saying, oh, daughter, you, you don't, I, I understand the law, but, but, but you're not under the law. You've come to grace now. And grace does it a little differently in that you were unclean until you touched me. But now you've touched me and you've been made clean by the grace. And now you belong to me. You are in the family. You are a daughter to me. You, 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 you are mine now. Oh, but he doesn't stop there. That's good. Cause that, that's where it all, listen, there is, there is no peace until you have peace with God. Right, there is no peace. The greatest peace you can have is peace with God. And that's where Jesus starts. But then he goes on to say, um, you've been made well by your faith. You've been made well. That word is the Greek word. Sozo. Now, I, I don't want to give you a lesson in Greek because I am actually not um, qualified to give you. I'm from Longview, and um, we, we don't really even speak English here. It's, it's more uh, a thing that we do called Texan, East Texan. And so I'm certainly not going to educate you on Greek, but I can tell you what the word actually means. It's actually akin to shalom. So it's a king, it's, it's a kin, they're kindred um, to the, the Hebrew blessing of shalom. Because sozo, it, it would actually mean to save from destruction, from perishing, to be made whole, to, to restore, to heal. And this is a word many times translated salvation. And, and I want you to understand so much of what we're talking about in this moment is Jesus didn't come just to forgive us of our sins, but he came to, to give us salvation, so-so, which is a restoration of our lives. It's a restoration of every part. It is redeeming every part of our life that has been touched by sin and death. It is it's the blessed reversal of the effects of sin and death. In fact, um, Paul said it this way to the Galatians in Galatians 3.13. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Do you see that? He's redeemed us from the curse of the law. He's redeemed us from, so, so every, every curse that came because we had broken the law, right? So the Bible says sin entered the world and death through sin and death spread to all. And we've talked about this, that death looks like a lot of different things. And death can be in our relationships. It can be in our mental uh, faculties. It, it can be in our health. Uh, it, it can be in, in the way we think. It, death affects everything. And so that was the problem with transgression. And that was the problem with the law, is that the law said we were under the curse of the law, meaning there is judgment upon us. And so every life of every part of our life was under the curse. It was under the law. It was under judgment, every part. And this is what Paul says, but Christ bought us out from under the law. He redeemed, not just forgiving us, but redeeming all of our life from every curse of the law. Every place where sin and death has, has brought something into your life, Jesus paid to restore that. To bring, We are not under law, Paul said to the Romans in chapter six. He said, but now we are under grace. So he didn't just bring out what we had done and put it under grace. No, he brought our lives out from under the rule of the law which was condemnation and judgment and put us under the rule of grace, which is life and peace. Are, are you with me? And so he said, he's redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us because it's written curses everyone who, who is hung on a pole or a cross. That's the cross. He redeemed us in order to look at this, that the blood
blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, that would be um, non-Jewish believers, that's us, through Jesus Christ, so that by faith we would receive the promise of the Spirit. He told the Romans that just as death entered in through one man and death reigned, so much more by the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, now do we reign, and it says in life, but you could also say through life, by life, or with life. In other words, now we have the life of God on on the inside of us, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And it, it is quickening our lives so that we're completely redeemed from the curse. You need to understand that we have every right, biblically, theologically, and, and in a covenant with God, we should believe for the redemption of every part of our lives. That, that we're not just believing, okay, God, will you save me? Will you forgive me? No, 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 no. God, will you restore? Will you deliver? Will you redeem? Will you heal? This is what this lady finds out. Because Jesus looks at her, and this woman just wanted a change in her circumstance. She wanted peace to change what was going on. But but Jesus said, no, 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 no. Peace is not about stopping something. Peace is about what becomes present. Peace is about what comes on your life because of me. And then he says, you are so, so you are well, you are restored, you are redeemed, you are healthy, you can prosper. And when Jesus said, go in peace, and then he said, be freed from your affliction. Here's what he was saying. Be assured that you have been completely delivered. That's what that word means. And so Jesus, I think he's saying, you're going to go prosper. You're going to get your family back. You're going to get your finances back. You're going to have peace of mind. The emotional trauma is gone. Your health has been restored. I think Jesus was pronouncing on him everything that he was going to pay for. And it's the same thing that he does for us. He came to pay for everything. Every area in your life where there was loss, he came to pay. But you got to believe it. He came so you could prosper, as John said, and be in health, even as your soul prospers. He came to give you peace. The blessing of peace. Isn't that good news? Can you give Jesus a hand? He is so good. Why don't you stand with me?